Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi everyone, welcome back to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Dr. Nicole Wright, an associate professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Her research focuses on musculoskeletal epidemiology, osteoporosis outcomes research, and racial disparities in osteoporosis and its management. She has collaborated on numerous federal and industry-supported research projects including those evaluating the role of a myriad of risk factors related to bone mineral density and fractures, improving osteoporosis knowledge and patient activation, and creation and validation of administrative claim-based algorithms of osteoporosis-related outcomes. Dr. Wright earned both her doctorate and Master of Public Health from the University of Arizona. She is a staunch advocate for osteoporosis awareness and currently sits on the board of directors of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Dr. Wright, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Claire. I'm really excited for this conversation because it's important that we bust some myths about osteoporosis, and uh, we're going to do that today. So today we're talking about osteoporosis and its effect on the Black community. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about how you began on this career path and how you became involved in the field of bone health? Sure. So I will say that there's a the family connection and that my family, we say we were cursed in the bone and joint area. Pretty much all of my relatives have had knee replacements and have osteoarthritis. And then I started to notice that my grandma was shrinking And I'm like, hmm, what's going on? And then it comes to find out my grandmother does have osteoporosis. And so watching her sort of shrink and decline through the years has definitely been the main reason for the research that I do and and the focus and the emphasis that I have. That's so important. That family connection, like you said, it motivates so much of us. And I've shared a million times on this podcast how my family history, too, involves osteoporosis. And it it makes the work we do so much more meaningful when you relate to all the stories that you hear and all the studies that you see. But we're so grateful that you did get involved in this because you have been one of our lead researchers about the prevalence of osteoporosis overall, not just within the Black community, but in all communities. And that is really, really important data for us to be able to use to inspire people to take better care of their bones. So thank you for doing all of that. So we know that there are both controllable and uncontrollable risk factors for developing osteoporosis. And we've covered those a number of times on this podcast, and it's available on our website. And we know, as we just discussed, that family history is a disease that is also, you know, hereditary, 
or genetics. So we know that there is that family connection. Are there any unique risk factors that the Black community should be aware of when it comes to their bone health? I will say, based on current evidence, no. However, that's been very understudied. And so you think of the main risk factors for osteoporosis, particularly those that you can control around, you know, smoking and alcohol use, you know, I feel like that is probably the same in in any population. You think about comorbidities, and right now, say, rheumatoid arthritis and other conditions that may have a negative impact on bone are sort of those ones you think about. And there have been emerging evidence saying a lot of these prevalent cardiovascular and metabolic conditions are also related to your bone health. And so do we know if, say, diabetes has a different effect on the bone in Black populations compared to white populations? And that we don't know. But we do know that, again, from the emerging evidence that diabetes various cardiometabolic conditions, hypertension, stroke, uh, cholesterol-related issues all impact your skeleton. And so those conditions are more prevalent in the Black community. So is that going to have a greater effect? Are we going to start to see more bone health issues in the Black community because contributing to these conditions? Some of the comorbid conditions that are also prevalent in the Black community, like lupus or sickle cell? Do we know if they have any impact on bone? So the lupus and and bone research is minimal, but you can think about, okay, what is lupus? It's an autoimmune disease. There's inflammation involved. It, you know, can affect multiple organs. And the bone is an organ. And so therefore, it is a possibility. Again, lupus is more prevalent in Black women than compared to white women. And so what kind of impact does it have? And working with some rheumatologists, I know, let's say in rheumatoid arthritis, there's been significant improvement in targeting of treatments, and they're not there yet for lupus. And so... Again, all this, you know, system-wide effect of this of these conditions on the bone, if maybe targeting certain elements, could that maybe potentially reduce the impact of the condition on the bone? And so, you know, I would say that's a, a new line of research for say the rheumatologists and the, you know, immunologists in the in the field to particularly focus on that population. Yeah, and also for, for the population to advocate for themselves and request that these things be studied more. You know, that's how things get done as we've come to find out when we do all of our advocacy works on Capitol Hill and at the state level is really hearing from constituents is the most important thing that drives action. And while they love to hear from us on the federal level, you know, the national level, to explain again about, you know, the whole population type stuff, it really matters when people reach out to their members of Congress themselves. So definitely encourage people to do that. We need to think about how we can do that better to get some of this research done. And I will say how to do that a little better is, again, around we need the research, then we need to disseminate the research. And so people can learn about why bone health is 
important. And maybe we'll say particularly if you have X, Y, and Z. So let's say diabetes, lupus, sickle cell trait, that is definitely related to hormones and and the kidneys and things like that. And so all of that can have an impact on, on your bone health. And without knowing that, particularly without patients knowing it, they can't advocate for themselves. And then without providers knowing it, then they may be missing an opportunity to make some preventative changes so that uh, their patients can have uh, proper bone health. Yeah, that's really important. Like you said, it's just that knowledge is power in so many things across the board. And certainly when it comes to our health and our bone health, that is one of them. And sadly, not enough people know yet. So that's why I'm glad people have the opportunity to listen in to these podcasts and hopefully get some new facts to be able to use to advocate for themselves. So let's continue to talk about this myth about, you know, osteoporosis doesn't happen in the Black community and that it's an old white woman's disease. And so therefore, no one in the Black community has to pay attention to it. But we know that's not true. And that osteoporosis happens in every community. But there are definitely differences in the outcomes from the disease and the fractures, which is something that we learned uh, when we commissioned the study with the actuarial firm Millman in 2021. So can you talk a little bit, share a little bit about some of those facts that we uncovered about the impact of osteoporotic fractures on the Black community? Right. So I'll, I'll go back to the old white woman's disease. And again, I was actually for a presentation that I'm giving later on today, I refreshed my Google search of people with osteoporosis. And when you click on images, everything pops up. The first sort of few lines are older white women. And so if that's sort of the imagery we're getting then this the myth is continued that osteoporosis doesn't happen in other communities. And so, you know, maybe genetically or whatever, say black women have a higher bone mass. Now, did you reach that highest bone mass that you can? Were there things in your development growing up, calcium, vitamin D, exercise to help you reach that peak? But, you know, again, you have your highest bone mass and then it declines, which then could potentially lead to fractures. And so there's lower prevalence of osteoporosis and lower fracture rates in the Black community. Overall, maybe particularly in hip fractures, there's maybe, you know, an equaling out with respect to the spine. But I think the big piece that you're talking on is the what happens from this fracture. And so that's where we start to see tremendous racial disparities in what happens after that fracture. So we studies are saying 25 to 30 percent of people with hip fracture die within a year of their of their fracture. And when you specifically sort of drill down into the black community, you see that, okay, that estimate is 20 percent higher, 25 percent higher in black women compared to white women. So there's, you know, more deaths. If you happen to be a black woman who has a hip fracture, your probability of dying is a little bit higher than, say, a white woman. Other outcomes, you're thinking, okay, a fracture that could reduce your quality of life, limiting mobility, things of that nature. And so we're seeing evidence that there's less physical therapy in the black community. 
you know, either adhering to or the ordering of. And then there are, you know, other things around the fractures, surgical delays and things like that, that are more prevalent in people of color than their, their white counterparts, particularly in looking at long-term care. So if you, you know, unable to fully ambulate and go home, you're now sent to maybe a long-term nursing home. And we're seeing, again, Black women having about 25% higher rates of going into long-term care facilities than their Black counterparts. And I think COVID was a great lesson of like what goes on in nursing homes and the things that could happen if you're there. One of the most striking things, and this was from a study that I recently did, was around sort of that financial security. And so we know, you know, Medicare covers all Americans, 65 plus, there's, you know, the different levels of Medicare and your various HMO plans and whatnot, but Medicare is there for all. Medicaid is for people in more of the low income setting. And so that could then pick up so that the federal government is and the states are covering some of those fees. And when you're looking after fractures, you're seeing that these fractures and all fracture types, hip, spine, wrist, shoulder, you're seeing that the impact of that fracture is causing more Black women to lose their financial resources and then become Medicaid eligible. And so they're needing Medicare and Medicaid for healthcare coverage because this fracture, whether it be the cost of the hospitalization, the physical therapy, the nursing home stays, has just wiped out their finances then meeting this threshold. And so you know, and that's in the order of two to three fold. Wow. And so what, you know, again, it's like, what is going on and why is this happening? Are there, you know, upstream factors that we can think about that could maybe reduce that cascade? Or are there things in between? So after the fracture, you know, are these disparities with respect to access to health, with respect to, you know, providers, ensuring, you know, doing sort of the same thing for all patients, irrespective of their their race and ethnicity. And that's one of the things that I personally want to do a little more research into so that we can, you know, start to reduce some of these inequities that we're seeing around osteoporosis fracture and then particularly fracture outcomes. Yeah, that's so important, Nicole. And like you said, it's not just an osteoporosis, right? I mean, we've all seen the articles, and I'm sure you you know all the details on the research across the health spectrum where there is such a racial disparity in the type of care that's given or the outcomes. And mm-hmm. as you said, the why is the biggest question. The first thing is is the important study that you're doing. You know, what are the the data? How does it compare? But getting to the why is the next big thing. And I know people are trying to do that. And certainly we're thinking in that respect too. What can we do that provides more equity amongst everyone who has osteoporosis? Because when we think about and provide the data that you helped us create about, you know, the propensity of osteoporosis in the US, and we know 10 million 
approximately 10 million people in the US have osteoporosis, that's everybody, right? So mm-hmm. we do want to make sure that we're kind of doing more of that and getting at why. So I'm excited that you're, you know, continuing to do that. And we need to do a good job of supporting you and other scientists and researchers to be able to help us to get to the why. So while we're waiting for that data and that information about why we think this is happening, and like you said, it's, it's, I'm sure it's multifactual. Exactly. I mean, there could be, you know, obviously systemic racism is playing a part. Healthcare access is playing a part. Various, you know, how insurances and does your insurance cover something and it doesn't cover and, you know, all of that at the systems level. But again, I think a, not a lot of it, but another big element is the patient and provider education level. Yeah. And again, if you don't know, then you can't advocate for yourself. If the doctors don't know, then then they can't do the clinical guidelines that have been recommended by the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation and other organizations. And so I think definitely I applaud and look forward to continue to working with Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation about sort of that education piece from the provider level, as well as what we can do specifically at the patient level in targeting the Black community. Yeah, yeah super important. And, and we do appreciate everything that you're doing with us and helping us to reach, you know, do a better job of reaching the community. So let's talk about what people listening to this podcast can do right now to help improve their bone health. And, you know, we talked about that there's no risk factors that are kind of different, you know, in different communities. It's kind of the same. So I'm guessing that the, you know, preventative and the bone building things are very similar. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the things that people can do right now to improve their bone health in the black community or in every community? Yeah. And overall for everyone, but, you know, uh, primarily since we're, it's black history month. And so let's, we can focus on an underserved population with respect to osteoporosis. First, sort of taking that like self-assessment of, am I at risk for bone loss? And so what are some of those things? Am I getting enough calcium and vitamin D? Say, you know, in the black community, there's maybe a higher lactose intolerance and things like that. So are we really getting and, you know, food insecurities and other things? So are we getting that nutrition? Take that assessment. If you feel like you're not getting enough, then going into supplements and uh, supplements can cost a lot of money. And so now is it something where like, maybe I need a prescription where my insurance can cover it. Also thinking about, you know, your other lifestyle factors and things like physical activity. So I know personally and myself, knowing that osteoporosis is in my family, really looking at, okay, my weight, what do I need to do to sort of, yep, you may be heavier, you think that's better for your bones, but is that really, or is, you know, the whole interaction between bone, muscle, fat, causing some issues in the bones. And so looking at weight and then being physically active. And again, that's great for bones as well as pretty much every other organ system. And so finding those activities that you like, it's hard to say, okay, go to the gym, you need to lift weights, you need to do this and you need to walk. 
And, you know, that's not available for everyone. And so really trying to find, okay, if I need to do weight bearing exercises, can I go on for a walk? Maybe, but yeah, so it's like you can, but maybe you can't because your neighborhood isn't the safest or like my neighborhood, we don't have sidewalks. And, you know, so the fear of walking in the street, you know, so what else can you do? Are there things, you know, resources online that could help? I know for me, I've started using this YouTube page to sort of help me with indoor activity when the weather is not great and I can't get outside. And so, you know, really looking at that saying, okay, overall health should be cardiovascular, kidney, bone, brain, doing those things that will improve your health. And then really looking at what are the health conditions that I have. And I I keep mentioning diabetes since that's still a hot topic in the field, but other things like breast cancers and other cancers and men and prostate cancer, thinking like, ooh, is this going to have an effect on my bones? Because I would, you know, hate to have to go through chemo and radiation and all of this and pretty much destroy your body and then have a fracture on top of that because it has an effect on your bones. So let's look at that. And so I really, I would say challenge everyone to sort of sit down, look at those habits, look at your lifestyle and think about the health conditions you have and say, are these, could these impact my bone? And the answer is probably yes. And then is there something that I can do to prevent it? And that answer is yes, depending on the various modalities you can try for this, whether it be lifestyle changes or pharmacologic interventions. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great point. And I love that, Nicole, in that it is such an important first step to just pause and take stock of where you are right now. and. I was thinking about this recently, visiting some friends, and we were talking about family history, a variety of family history, not just medical history, but I was so surprised that they knew little to nothing about their family history. It wasn't asked, it wasn't discussed, and in my family, that just wasn't the case. We were really open. I you know, go back generations. I knew about, I have a health condition that one of my aunts had. And so that's how I knew when I got it again, that it was, it's not hereditary, but it is genetic. And so therefore I was like, oh, that makes sense. And as I was being diagnosed, she came to mind, right? I knew that there was someone in my family who had that. And that's not, I've come to realize the norm for families. So I think one of the things that could be really, really important, no matter what age our listeners are, is to do that that check-in with family. And I saw some comedian joking about when to do the family history and like how you do it. It's like, you don't want to just walk into the Thanksgiving dinner and say, hey, how many cardiac patients do we have here? Hey, who's suffering from diabetes? Anyone? Anyone? But it is an important conversation and to sort of talk with whomever in your family is open to that 
to get a better sense of that, particularly for things like osteoporosis and that there are, there's a million other conditions, but that do have a, a you know a hereditary factor to it or a genetic factor to it. And so that can be a really important first step. And then, you know, obviously it's a little easier to evaluate your own health issues and determine whether or not those are things. But even having that conversation with a provider can be something that people might not think about. Because if you have something like diabetes or lupus or heart disease, when you go to your provider, your healthcare provider, you're generally potentially talking about just those things, right? Those are the immediate concerns. So to bring up or even Mm -hmm. ask the question, what else might be impacted based on this disease that we're talking about? And that could be a great way to introduce the conversation about, will my bone health be impacted? And again, that's something that you, it doesn't necessarily come up naturally in conversations, not with family, but not even with our healthcare providers. providers. Right. So I love that, that whole, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but that relationship between the healthcare provider and the patient is important and taking the time again of, you know, say it's easy when you think about the big scary ones, right? right? Cancer. Oh, breast cancer runs in my family. Do I need to be concerned? Do I need to get, you know, have earlier treatment or screening, same colon cancer, things like that. So those, you know, the biggies, but people probably don't think like, oh, grandma's kind of hunched over. What does that mean? Oh, grandma may have spine fractures. Oh, I'm starting to see my mom is kind of yeah. starting to develop a home. Is that something I should be just, you know, worried about it? So, you know, again, asking those providers of like, hey, let's talk about this. And, you know, I, I am biased, but I feel like the skeleton gets forgotten. And without the skeleton, you know, we would be jellyfish. And so it's an important organ system to remember to think about in your overall healthcare. But it gets dismissed, right? Like you said, because it's not one of those big things. And so I love the neurologist that I work with for my chronic disease. But when I said to him, hey, you never told me that I was going to have osteoporosis as a result of my treatment. His response was, your bones are better than mine. <laughs> and that was it. And he completely dismissed it. And I'm, you know, I was working here. I was working for BHOF at the time. And yet I was so taken aback. I didn't even have a response to that. Right? He completely dismissed my concern about my mm-hmm. bone health. Fortunately, I know where to get that information and, you know, and, and discussed it with other providers, but that's what happens to us. And so it is really important that we stand up for ourselves and advocate and don't let it be dismissed, particularly yes. when it's mm-hmm. of concern. So I think we've all probably experienced that and, and not, again, bashing healthcare providers who are overworked, overstressed, have a million mm-hmm. things to worry about. And clearly he's worried about his area of specialty and my main, my main medical problem, but it's still something that, you know, we're not taught as consumers, as patients to question or push back or ask for more information. And so I just want to encourage our listeners, if you've experienced that, it's really important to continue to advocate for yourself, continue to ask and not let it be dismissed and say, no, no, I actually want to talk about my bone health and can we schedule if they don't want to talk about that time you know ask can i schedule another appointment 
because I really want to talk to you about this. So, you know, encouraging people to do that is so, so important. Well, we could probably talk about this, you know, topic. (laughs) Any last thoughts, Nicole, on how to encourage people within the Black community to spread the news about this and the awareness and make this a discussion topic within their families and within their community? I have words, but I'm like trying to figure out what's the best way to say, because again, that, that awareness piece, you have to start somewhere and starting that starting point is generally, you know, about osteoporosis. And so if we as a community, a research community and a patient advocacy community are able to provide more resources about osteoporosis that are particularly targeting the Black community, then hopefully that will start to raise that awareness. And then you can branch out from there for, you know, leaders in, say, your church or other places that you typically congregate that you can then spread that message that, hey, we should be thinking about our bones. And if you have X, Y, and Z, maybe you want to talk to your doctor about it. And, you know, and so thinking that and Again, I kind of always forget the men because I do mostly research on women, but men often get left out of this conversation completely, especially black men. And so really sitting down, like my dad turned 70 last year and I was like, did your provider order a DEXA scan for you? Because you're now getting close to that age. And he was like, a what? So, you know, (laughs) so I think. That's how we can raise the awareness and then use our our various connections, whether it be, like I said, churches or sororities, fraternities and other places, you know, book club, choir practice, where you could maybe start to bring that awareness to other people. Yeah, that's really important. That's that's really good advice. And like you said, sometimes it is just we all have to do better at the national level of making people aware of what's happening. So as you said, when you're thinking about Black History Month, one of the great things to think about is, you know, your family history, healthcare, and what can we do about it? So, yeah, delighted to bring this bring this up and have this conversation with you. It will not be the last time we talk about this. <laughs> and, you know, I look forward to seeing the most recent research that you've been working on. And then again, you know, doing our best to help encourage additional support for research to get at the why of some of these disparities in healthcare. And, you know, if we can do it for bone, maybe it'll, you know, it'll apply across the board and we'll do a better job of improving everyone's health across the board. So really important to that. So thanks so much, Dr. Wright. Thank you. Here with me today. We really appreciate all the information you've shared and all the things that you're doing to raise awareness about how osteoporosis affects the Black community, as well as the American population in general. We'll have links to the resources and materials associated with this episode at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit our website at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, please do two things. Subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode, and please share it with your family and friends so we can do a better job of raising awareness for people about the importance of bone health. Thank you again, Dr. Wright, for joining me. Thank you, Claire. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to us 
listening and speaking with you again in a future episode of Bone Talk. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.